0: Today we are beginning a new series called If based on the book by Mark Batterson. The series recognizes that those two little letters, IF, are filled with such tremendous possibility. But sometimes sorrow. If only expresses our, our regret over past mistakes as if conveys our pessimism but what if what if is language that says that we are are willing to dream about what could be two little letters like help us go from the pain of what has been to the embodiment of what God has always dreamed for our lives. Two letters that can take us from pessimism to powerful change. What if we are only one decision away from the life we have always dreamed of? The life that God has always imagined. That is what this series is about.
1: Today's scripture reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Over the course of these next several weeks, we're going to be walking through Romans chapter 8. It's going to be our biblical companion during this If Sermon series. We began studying it just a moment ago, early parts of Romans chapter 8. It's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible, an important passage. But given the fact that our series is called If, I wanted to start with a passage in Romans with a pretty big if in it. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? If God is for us, who, who can be against us? Paul makes an incredibly compelling case that history of this world proves that God is indeed for us. And therefore nothing can stand in our way. If God's for us, who can be against us? That is a promise of Scripture. Scripture. But we have this tendency that causes us to doubt the promises of God in our lives. A number of years ago, there was a guy by the name of Eric Metaxas who spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast. Metaxas is a best-selling author. One of the books that he's written that I've read is a, a biography of the great Christian pastor and martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So Eric Metaxas is addressing the the prayer breakfast there in D.C. And he reflects on, on his journey of faith. He'd been a skeptic for some time. At one point he said this. He said, everything, everything I had rejected about God, God wasn't. Everything I'd rejected about God, God wasn't. I rejected people who went to church but didn't love like Jesus. I rejected people who didn't practice what they preach. I rejected people who were different, indifferent to the suffering of the poor. He said, but one day it dawned on me that what I, what I had rejected, God wasn't. Same things that bothered me actually had been the things that bothered Jesus. Jesus was bothered by hypocrisy, by a lack of love, by failure to show compassion. Metaxas said that he had allowed the circumstances and the people around him to doubt God and God's promises. Church, there's a lot in this world that is perhaps worthy of our skepticism. But doubting God's promise is a recipe for disaster. Doubting the promise of God is a recipe for disaster. Think back to the very beginning of our story all the way back in the garden. Adam, Adam and Eve are standing there. What causes them to take the misstep It was that the serpent was able to cause them to doubt the promise of God. God doesn't really care about you. God really didn't mean what God had to say. Go ahead and enjoy that apple, baby. Doubting God and God's promise can be catastrophic. So let's start this if series. By agreeing to believe in one God-sized if. If God is for us, who can stand against us? God is for you. God is for us. God is for you in every way imaginable. God is for you throughout all eternity. That's the kind of revolutionary idea that will be transformational for our souls if we will feast upon it day in and day out. God, the living God, is for us. We can leverage that kind of a truth into new life. Archimedes famously said, If you give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, I shall move the world. Malcolm Gladwell, in his breakout book called Tipping Point, described the moment at which things change. They go from minority to majority, often only taking 1%. His point was that very small things, very small truths can define or redefine our lives. Small truths like this one. God is for you, for us. And if God is for us, what? What can stand against us? Nothing. That is perhaps the most important if statement in our lives, if God is for us. Who can stand against us? God is for us and nothing and no one can stand against us except perhaps as we will see. Nothing can stand against us except ourselves. That's the foundation of the study. If God is for us, who can be against us? We'll return to it over and over again. And with that in the forefront of our minds, let's turn our attention to another if statement. If only, if only, if only. Perhaps one of the most tragic statements in the Bible comes from Jeremiah chapter 46. The New English Bible translates it this way. It says, give Pharaoh of Egypt the title King Bombast the man who missed his moment. Whew. How tragic is that? To have your name recorded for history as a bombast, as the one who missed his moment. The scriptures are referring there to Pharaoh the II, who was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar at uh, Carchemish in the year 605 BC. History records it. Nico II, troops actually ran away from the battlefield. They became a a laughingstock because of his failure to invest in his relationships, his failure to care for his own people. He missed his moment. Give Pharaoh of Egypt the title King Bombast, the man who missed his moment. But we don't have to be kings or emperors. We don't have to be from the ancient world to miss our moment. Most of us know what it's like to experience missing our moment, if only. If only this had gone that way, if only I had worked harder, if only I'd made a decision, if only this person had said or done this or that, if only can haunt us. When I was just a little boy, we lived in northern Ohio. Uh, I barely remember. It's on the recess of my memory. We left when I was five or six years old. But while we were there, my mom and dad owned a steakhouse called Bonanza. I've mentioned it to you before. My favorite thing about going to that steakhouse for dinner, in addition to seeing my daddy, was that I got to go to the salad bar. Not for the salad, for the other stuff that was there. And in my little four or five year old mind, my dad's salad bar was the biggest thing on the planet. It was massive, and I loved it. My dad worked so hard at that business. But in the early 1980s, Northeast Ohio's economy was struggling. It wasn't his fault. But the business didn't make it. Some businesses, despite talented people who work very hard, fail. Some of you know that firsthand. My dad never burdened his kids with his regrets, but I know he had them if only. If you think back on your years, what's the biggest if only of your life? What's that big regret? I remember mine. One of them. (laughs) I was serving as a pastoral intern in Brandon, Florida when I was in college. We were late for dinner and I was with a group of kids who were on a zip line. Their counselors were putting them on this line and they held a little bar and they swung across the, the river. There was a safety harness there to catch you if you let go of the bar, but... Kids never let go of the bar. Just one little boy, he was last in line. He was always last in line. And the harness was the wrong size for him. Again, the group was late for dinner. And so the counselor who was up on the platform, of the zip line with this little boy, made the decision just to wrap the harness loosely around him and send him across the river. I saw what he was doing. I wasn't the one on the platform, but I saw what he was doing. The little boy didn't make it across the river. That little boy fell. I heard his leg break. I wasn't the one who made the decision to send him, but I didn't say anything. That little boy, in part, was my responsibility, and I failed to protect him. Sometimes at I can still hear his screams. If only I had spoken up. What's your if only? Maybe it's recent and it's small. Like losing your temper with a friend or a member of your family. Raising your voice. Maybe it was long ago. Maybe it was really big. Maybe it was a an affair. Maybe it was something you did while you were deployed. Most of us have a pretty big if-only kind of regret in our lives. And it begs the question, what does the Bible say about these if-only regrets? Well, in our Scripture passage today... From Romans chapter 8, Paul says, In Christ there is no condemnation. Precisely, he says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life sets us free from the law of sin and death. That means that if we are in Christ, all of those if-onlys of our past are forgiven At least they are forgiven by God. There is no more condemnation. There is no condemnation. When Jesus Christ says we are forgiven, we are forgiven. And if we confess our sins, Christ says it every time Christ forgives. So why then? To some of these regrets, why do some of these if-onlys weigh on us? Remember that statement from a moment ago, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer to that rhetorical question, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is nobody except perhaps us. We can stand against ourselves. God has forgiven, but so often we choose not to forgive ourselves. Jill Price could tell you all about this. Pick any date after February 5th, 1980, and Jill Price can tell you what day of the week it was, what she did that day, and any major world event that occurred. She can even tell you what the weather was like on that day. Most of us struggle to remember things Jill Price is unable to forget. She suffers with a condition called hyperthemestic syndrome. For most of us, autobiographical memory is selective in nature. We tend to remember about 3% of the things that happen to us in our long-term memory. We remember things like our first kiss or winning the championship game or or something bad that happened. Like, I don't know, just hypothetically leaving flowers on the windshield of the car of the girl that you like in your senior year of high school. And later that day, she says, so glad we're such good friends. Just pulling that out of nowhere. I don't know anybody that happened to. <clears throat> Studies suggest we call We call about 3, 3% of our stuff. So in a given year, we're going to remember about 20 things. 97% of the things that happened to us, we forget, but that's not true for Jill Price. Jill Price remembers the final episode of MASH that aired on February 28th, 1983. She remembers that it was a Monday. She remembers that it was raining outside and that actually one of her windshield wipers had broken that day. (laughs) Memory like that seems like it would be a gift. Especially if you're trying to remember names or or places or if you're on Jeopardy. (laughs) But it has a dark side. In her memoir, The Woman Who Can't Forget, Jill wrote, Imagine being able to remember every fight you've ever had with a friend. Every time somebody lets you down, all the stupid mistakes you've ever made, the most harmful things you've ever said to people, and the most harmful things they've ever said to you, then imagine never being able to push that out of your mind no matter how hard you tried for Jill Price those emotions they don't dial back over time because she remembers the experiences perfectly every single one and she says as i grew up more and more memories were stored in my brain and as more and more flashed through my mind in this endless barrage i became a prisoner to my memory a prisoner to memory. Friends, Jill isn't the only one who's a prisoner to her past. Most of us are still walking around today weighed down by something that God has already forgiven. God is for us, and nothing can stand against us if we will trust the promise of God. Paul goes on to say in the scripture passage in Romans chapter 8, he says that when we place our thoughts on things of the earth, it leads to death. He's not talking about an immediate demise. He's talking about a slow lifestyle of dying, subject to the pain and the mistakes of our past. That's what happens when we don't understand the promise of God that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life sets us free. My friends, here is the heart of today's lesson. So very simple. Where are people who can be set free from the past, if we will allow God to forgive us and choose to trust that when God says we're forgiven, in fact, we are. Yelp over the past is unhealthy. Paul says it brings death. When we make mistakes, the Spirit convicts us, and rightfully so. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things we've asked forgiveness for, the things that rightfully belong this day, nailed to the cross. There was a consequence for your mistake and for mine, and Jesus paid it all. Now you can be free. And we must become free if we are to reach the future that God has in store for us. So I ask you this. What is the if only? What is the regret? What is that thing that's still weighing you down? That today, once and for all, you can confess And leave at the foot of the cross. We can choose to keep letting it weigh us down. But know this your sins have already been paid for. They were paid for by Christ, and that's not license to go out and sin all the more. It is, however, a complete and perfect promise from God to us that our past can be forgiven all those if-onlys all those regrets can be left at the foot of the cross and we can emerge into God's intended future free of what's weighed us down what is the if-only what is the regret you would put at the foot of the cross today claim the promise that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for what you have done. For what Holy Week and Easter still mean for us today, that our past is forgiven and in our future because you are for us nothing can stand against us Father I want to pray for the people who are walking around out there still allowing themselves to be weighed down by the if only's and the regrets of their past Lord I pray that to this day they they would claim the promise of scripture that in Christ there's no condemnation. They claim the promise of Scripture that if we confess our sin, you, O oh God, are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Let us leave the past at the foot of the cross once and for all. And as an Easter people, emerge out of the tomb this day with you, free and ready for what comes next in the name and to the glory of the great God of possibility the great God of forgiveness the God of forgiven past and the amazing future in the name of our great God we pray Amen